many people assembled. So good to see each person present. Wonderful indeed. I know how it was. You got the pot started early this morning, and Mama scrubbed those clothes on the rub board, and I'm glad you got them hung out, Mom, before you came tonight. Just delightful to see each person, and we have, I guess, 600 here, as Ira would do it. We count the feet and multiply by two. Sounds good when you're talking, no, we have a fine number, and after all, as we said earlier, we're not necessarily concerned with quantity, though that is important. We're concerned with quality. This is a beautiful amen corner over here, with four or five exceptions, but uh, it is a joy to see you, to have each one of you present tonight. Now, I may be off course. I have tracked my course and uh, taking a little different direction tonight from the norm. Uh, in Philippians 2, uh, verse uh, 4, it rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your forbearance be known unto all men, for the Lord is at hand. In nothing be anxious, but in all things, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. Through verse 7, we're concerned with a single statement. Right there in verse 6. In nothing be anxious. That's command. What's that? In nothing be anxious. Oh, and we're to obey all of the commands of the Lord. I think we understand that. Jesus said, if thou wouldst enter into life, keep the commandments, Matthew 19 and verse 17. Oh, and even to religious people, he said in Matthew 7, beginning verse 21, that very familiar passage, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father who is in heaven. Uh, many will come unto me in that day and say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in thy name? In thy name cast out demons, in thy name do many mighty works. Then will I profess unto them, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. He that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I liken him unto a wise man building his house upon the rock, it'll stand. He that heareth these sayings of mine doeth them not, like unto a man building upon the sand, whose house, of course, will ultimately fall. Keeping the commandments of the Lord is indispensable. That's vital. There is no way that we can stand in a right relationship with the Almighty without obedience to his commands. I remember that he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Friend, he isn't the Lord of your life until in humility you bow in submission to his will. That's made manifest in doing what he said. Even Solomon said, Ah, this is the end of the matter. All hath been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or evil. From Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14. It's interesting that the word duty there is in italics, not in the text. Anyway, this is the end of the matter. All hath been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole of man. That's all that amounts to anything. You see, the only thing that's important is the fact that you are an immortal spirit possessed of free moral agency, and until God dies, you and I will live. But God won't die. You get the picture. There's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. One purpose. Just as Christ came to accomplish the will of him that sent him, oh, and I'm to follow in his steps, 
The only thing that's important is to establish a right relationship with the Almighty so that when this earthly existence terminates, and that will be very soon, I'll have a place with him in eternity. You see, I didn't bring it and I won't take it so far as material goods are concerned. And while I'm here, it's not mine. The earth and the fullness thereof belong to God. He allows me to use it, the purpose being to represent his son in the midst of a fallen estate. Mankind is alienated from God and lost. And our task, yea, our privilege, is to demonstrate the only means of redemption for fallen humanity. And that's why he allows me to use this whole world for a limited time. But my purpose is the accomplishment of his will. Doing what he said. This is the love of God that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not grievous. First John 5 uh, verses 3 and 4. Of course we're familiar with that. The keeping of God's commandments is important. You know, when you think about the commands of God, and we could go on and on and on with the necessity of doing what he said, but uh, you might think of the commandments of God as, uh, you know, visible and invisible. Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, some things that we do in keeping with the Lord's commandments, uh, seen and observed, known by everyone. When by faith you were baptized into Christ, there were brethren that, Praised God that a child is born into his family. They see this. They know that that occurs. Oh, and uh, Hebrews 10.25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. When you in love assemble with the saints for the divine purpose of worship that fills the soul and changes the life, they see that. They know that you are faithful. They understand your love for God and the motive that drives you uh, into that mode of worship. It's a wonderful thing. When you commune with the Lord in the observance of the Lord's Supper, men observe that. They, they see this. Even your giving. No, we don't give to be seen of men, but it's obvious that you sacrifice, that you, but there are other commands that are not seen, and we'll just mention one in passing. Uh, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This is a condition of the heart uh, committed to him who loves all men whom we seek to emulate. We want to be like him because that's the way we're made in his image and his likeness. And as we've said many, many times, God is a spirit. John 4, 24. Spirit doesn't have flesh and bone. Verse 39, Luke chapter 24. So we don't look like God. <laughs> Certainly not. How are we made in his image? Immortal spirits possessed of free moral agency. Just as there were two trees in the garden, you have the same decision to make, not with regard to trees, but heaven or hell. And it has to be made in a hurry. Life isn't serious, no say. Life is deadly serious. You pass this way but once. You meet none coming back to right any wrongs or to correct any mistakes. Friends, I need to hear him when he speaks. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's interesting, isn't it? Oh, but uh, this commandment we're talking about, verse 6. What is that, Philippians 4? Did I say 2? Check me out on these scriptures. Be sure you do. As I get older, I still know what it says, but I don't know where it is. So you be sure that you check me out. You know, in nothing be anxious. Do you know of anybody who is in violation of that command? Probably you do. They are worrying. Hey, what? They are worrying. Friends, uh, worry is an exercise in utter futility. Worry is of no advantage or benefit at all. It only provides for your own detriment. 
if what you were worrying about actually existed, which most times it doesn't. Your worry wouldn't change it one way or the other. It wouldn't have anything to do with it. All that does is destroy your peace of mind, disrupt your sleep at night. That's a sin. You don't want to be guilty of that kind of thing. As a matter of fact, there are people today who are deeply disturbed. They are worried about the political position that some hold in, in this country, the conditions that, uh, that prevail. We have some people in high place that want to remove God from the consciousness of our people, and they seek to remove all reminders uh, of the Almighty uh, so that people don't have to see that at all. And they use the Constitution with regard to separation of church and state. I am a firm believer in the separation of church and state. Never the two shall meet. No, sir. Two different things entirely. However, the necessity of separation of church and state does not require the removal of God from government. God rules in the affairs of men. God governs in the civil state. And when it reaches a point that he is expelled, it's done. He immediately eliminates it. Destroys it. Not a lot of work to be done because it has destroyed itself by that time. Worry about the political scene? Did you know that Christians have but one responsibility to civil government? Have you ever thought about that? Romans 13, beginning at verse 1. Let every soul be in subjection to the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, and the powers that be are ordained of God. Therefore he that resisteth the power withstandeth the ordinance of God, and they that withstand shall receive to themselves judgment. The rulers are not a terror to the good work, but to the evil. And if thou wouldst have no fear of the power, do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise from the same. For he is a minister of God unto thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid. For he is a minister of God and avenger for wrath to him that doeth evil. Therefore you must needs be in subjection, not only because of the wrath, but for conscience' sake. For for this cause you pay tribute also. That's what taxes are all about. Uh, to support the civil government, to regulate the affairs of humanity, say within the framework of its authority. That's the only responsibility the Christian has to civil government. What kind of government? Making a difference. What kind of government? You are a citizen in the kingdom of God. Your purpose is singular. What was it Paul said? Unto me who am less than the least of all saints was this grace given to preach unto the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all men see what is the dispensation of the mystery which for ages hath been hid in God who created all things to the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known through the church the manifold wisdom of God according to his eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. The church in the eternal purpose of God, yes, and the purpose of the church, that's eternal also. To make known the unlimited, multifarious wisdom of the Almighty. We do that by speech, attitude, conduct. When we mix and mingle with the peoples of the world, we represent Jesus Christ. Uh, that's our mission in this world. Did you notice that Paul would have been glad to preach to Caesar? We don't have a record of whether or not he got to do that, but boy, he preached to kings and to governors. And What did he do? He said, hey, now we need to change this policy. I mean, you've got a... Con uh, huh? You're not interested in civil government. Make a difference whether it stood or fell. 
What he's concerned with is the souls of men. One soul worth more than this whole world or this universe. All of its wealth multiplied by infinity. What did you say, Lord? Matthew 16, verse 26. But what shall a man be profited if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Missed out on everything. Didn't know where he came from, where he was going, what he should have been doing here. Horrible. Oh, that's our mission. To be sure that he understands who he is and why he is and where he's going. Uh, that's a part of the work of the... Yes, but someone says, not just a man, a preacher, man with regard to civil government, it, it, it just looks like there are civil encroachments upon the uh, <clears throat> borders, the rights and privileges of the church. And suppose the civil government decides to clamp down on the church and put a muzzle on preachers and you... Oh, the Christian is never left without a course of action to pursue. Acts chapter 5, verse 29. We must obey God rather than man. Yeah, but somebody says that gets you in trouble. That's right where that statement was made. In heavy, hot trouble. Yes, sir. Peter and John have been arrested. They're standing before the Sanhedrin. Ruling court among the Jews. They forbade them to speak in the name of Jesus. Peter said, whether it's right in the sight of God. To hearken unto you or unto God, you'll have to judge. But as for us, we cannot but speak the same things which we have seen and heard. Yeah, but somebody says, preacher and I, if, if the civil government clamps down on that man and you get up there on that television, you preach these things, and they don't, they could put you in jail. That's where they were. <laughs> and that's where they went back. And that's why all of the apostles except one was martyred. John was the only one that didn't die violently for what they taught. Oh, they went about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, of whom the earth was not worthy. Who is this? These are the people of God. Uh, these are the people whom the Almighty upholds. Yes, sir. Worried about the civil government? No, no, God takes care of that. You be concerned about the responsibilities that are yours. And by the way, you don't have to worry about that. No, sir, that brings joy and happiness. And for sure, there's tension. I was telling Ronnie, when a house fills up where I'm preaching, and everybody's just hold a hundred, that still makes me nervous. Or if there's 3,000 present, makes me nervous. All those people, it, 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 it. But I love preaching the gospel. And the more people who hear it, the better. Tension? Yes, sir. Responsibility? Absolutely. And you feel totally inadequate. That, that's one of my problems. Inadequate. But, hey, you can do what you can do. And the Lord blesses the effort, and I don't have to worry about it. Now, that's the finest thing about it. People worried about the civil government? Friends, you stop worrying about things like that. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, but now, preacher, man, when you look at the world condition, I mean, North Korea probably already has, if not, they are very, very close to the development of a nuclear bomb, atomic destruction. And I mean, they seem to be a class of people who do not regard human life as uh, we do in this country, or at least as we used to in this country. And it just could be that circumstance would prevail, and man will have a nuclear holocaust in this world. I mean, that's, that's enough to worry you to know about. You're just the... Da, 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 da. You remember Matthew chapter 24? 
Now we'll just paraphrase. The Lord is leaving the temple area. His disciples came to him to show him the buildings. All magnificent, huge stones. <laughs> they didn't get two words out of their mouth until he said, See you not all these things. There shall not be left your one stone upon another that shall not be torn down. Man slapped them flat of their back. I mean verbally, they quieted down. They didn't say another word. He crossed the Kidron Valley, sat down on the Mount of Olives. They came to him and said, Lord, when shall these things be? What shall be the sign of thy coming into the end of the world? They thought they were asking one question. They asked three, and the Lord answered all three, but we're not concerned with that. But they were sure that before all these stones could be turned, torn down, it'd have to be the end of the world. This is the temple. This is where God has placed his... Between 35 and 40 years, every one of them flat on the ground. A.D. 70. When will this thing be? He said, uh, See that you be not troubled. There shall arise forth Christ and deceive many. O you who of wars and rumors of wars, but be not troubled. Uh, the time is uh, not yet. Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes. Oh, false prophets shall arise, mislead many. Then shall people stumble and deliver up one another. Brethren will hate brethren, and you will be delivered up and killed. And you'll be hated of all men for my name's sake. Oh, and he said, And because iniquity shall be multiplied, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that endureth to the end, the same shall be saved. Never said it was easy. Narrogate, difficult way. Not hard to understand. I say, difficult to maintain the courage to trust the Almighty when everything in this world is contrary to his will. But it's always been that way. It has always been that way. It is wrong for a child of God who leans upon the unchanging arm of the Almighty to be unduly anxious about existing material circumstances. You don't want to do that. Now, let me add this. He did not say that we're to be complacent, unconcerned. No, no. What was the balance of that passage? Oh, in nothing be anxious, but in all things, listen, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And what about it? And you'll worry your head off. Uh, no, no, that's not what he said. No, he said, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your lives in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? That is amazing. You see, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, and it's working. What is that, James chapter 5, verse 16? Think about it. Pray without ceasing. That's important, isn't it? Oh, yes, indeed. Friends, we need to remember that we are the children of him who controls the affairs of this world. On what basis does he make changes? He is unlimited in power. He could instantly and immediately change any part that he It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. That's why Christ died. To establish a force in this world that demonstrates the power of God. And what does he expect of me as his child? Talk to him. Lord, we've got a problem here. I mean, our nation is fading fast. Well, I can remember when an American could walk anywhere in this world. And he's pretty secure. He was respected. He was honored. Anywhere an American walks in this world today is a target. You better be armed and have eyes in the back of your head. Why? 
Well, somebody says, now we've changed and this uh, people over here. No, 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 no. Righteousness exalts the nation. Sin is a reproach to any people. What's that, Proverbs 14, 34? Think about it. Our righteous level is largely, greatly diminished from what it used to be. There was a time when the leaders of this nation pointed the people to God. No, no, not all of them were Christians, no, sir. Eh, they didn't uh, bow in submission to his command, but they knew that the Bible is his word. Like Calvin Coolidge said, what our nation needs is religion. A religion that centers in the home. There's no question about that. And we are abandoning the Lord, and consequently, to that extent, we lose respect. We're not appreciated in this old world. Righteousness exalted the nation. Then how am I to live my life in accord with the Lord's instruction? Oh, that's righteousness. Psalms 119, verse 172. Let my lips sing of thy word for all thy commandments or righteousness. So then I need to follow his instruction. You know, in nothing be anxious, you can walk down the street. You can almost tell by looking into a person's eyes or just the expression on his face that many people today are worried sick about various things. I remember that Jesus said, verse 25, you remember? Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6. Be not anxious for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than the food and the body than the raiment? Consider the birds of the heavens. They sow not, neither do they reap and gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are not ye of much more value than they, O ye of little faith? And which of you, by being anxious, which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit unto the measure of his life? And why are you anxious concerning raiment? Consider the lilies of the field. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God doth so clothe the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Be not therefore anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we put on? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Your heavenly Father knoweth what things you have need of. But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What are you saying, Lord? Friends, the Almighty supplies our needs day by day. Now someone says, you mean I'm just to lie back and enjoy life and stay on vacation? No, no, no. A part of Christianity is being the finest employee on the job. A part of Christianity is being a responsible citizen. As a matter of fact, Paul said, if any man won't work, neither let him eat. What is that, Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10? It says, if any man won't work, neither let him eat. Able-bodied man goes to the refrigerator, nothing in it, and he goes to the store. But it's an odd thing about those grocery stores. They have a bottleneck. They bring you down to a little narrow place here, and they want you to bring some long green. You've got to come out with some money, or you don't leave with those groceries. Hey, but the only way you can have that money is work. Well, sure, that's a part of Christianity. He's the very best citizen in any country. And through that means, with little or great ability, uh, we labor, and day by day, God supplies our needs. You see, I need to trust him. 
Well, someone says, yeah, now, preacher, you talked about worrying and the fact that we ought not do that, and it's a command that we are not unduly anxious. How can I keep from worrying? Oh, remove the cause. Well, someone said, how can I remove the cause? I said, oh, oh, oh. The cause, the basis for worry is a lack of faith. But a lack of faith. My father is all-powerful. I'm his child. That's interesting, isn't it? What was it Paul said, Romans 8, verse 28? Oh, he said, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and who are the called according to his purpose. Now, someone said, well, our preacher, you've got to qualify the expression, all things you qualified any way you want to. But you be very careful. Thou shalt not add to his word, lest he reprove thee and thou be found a liar. Proverbs 30, verse 6. Don't say, better just take it face value. What you say, Paul? All things work together for good to them that love the Lord and who are the called according to his purpose. Well, now, preacher, I know some things that have happened to faithful Christians that are not good. You're talking about physical, material, things of this world. Right. Oh, but then there's no question about this if you just drop down three verses. What shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? You know the answer to that? Who cares? That's verse 31. Romans chapter 8. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall not he also with him freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? Jesus Christ, who died, was buried, raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, anguish, nakedness, famine, peril, sword, even as it is written, for thy sake we're killed all the day long. We were to counter the sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Through the end of the chapter, verse 39. What? All things work together for good to them that love it. Well, preacher, man, I mean, circumstances could prevail so that as a Christian you could lose your life. Be thou faithful unto death, and I'll give you a crown of life. Revelation 2, verse 10. Literally, be thou faithful up to, and including, if necessary, a death of martyrdom for what you believe, I'll give you a crown of life. Has it ever occurred to you that you're going to die anyway? You know, stroll through the cemetery, take care of the first part of verse 27 in Hebrews chapter 9. It is appointed unto man once to die. And not a person in this audience has any doubt about it. It's that second part of the verse that gives us trouble. After this, the judgment. But... I am going to be judged, right? And the eternal destiny of my immortal soul depends upon that. What will be the basis of that judgment? John chapter 12, verse 48. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my sayings, hath one that judgeth him. The words that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Then I need to be keeping his commandments. I need to be busy in removing the cause for undue anxiety or worry. You know, the apostles were talking about greatness. They were somewhat arguing among themselves, who is greatest? You remember how the Lord handled that in Matthew 18, verse 3? He took a little child and put him in the midst of them. 
And he said this. He said, except you be converted and become as this little child, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. What is he saying? Now you think about it. I was born in 1926. 1929, the entire financial structure fell out from under this country. My dad had five children and a wife. We grew up as poor as Job's turkey. And I believe it was Brother Black that said he had to lean up against the fence to gobble. I mean, poor! I, 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 very poor. I remember my dad finally acquired a job. 1933, Somerville Manufacturing Company. Opening bales of cotton, getting ready for the picker room, 10 cents an hour, worked 12 hours a day, made a dollar and 20 cents, and man, he was glad to get it. A wife and, and five children. But you know, I don't remember having any anxiety about it at all. It didn't bother me. Now as I look back, I think of the burden. My parents were not Christian. And I think of the burden that must have been theirs, five children. And a lot of that time, no job, and just to, to do anything, just a half gallon of syrup, off bearing at the sawmill, uh, anything, you know, to stay alive, to, to keep your family uh, going. I can, I can see how probably they had some undue, uh, but didn't bother me. Why? I trusted my dad. As a matter of fact, he was an unusual fellow. If we'd been walking along a forest trail, a saber-toothed tiger stepped up right in front of us, I'd step behind my daddy and hug his legs. If he couldn't kill him, he'd talk him to death. I'll guarantee you, he'd talk him to death. And no question. Trusted him. That's a child. Well, that, that's what he's saying. Yes, but Lord, things are diverse and they're different. I mean, and there's a lot of pressure. And Lord, there are many dangers. Sure. But the power of my father is unlimited. And he promised that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord. Well, but you can lose your life. Oh, yeah, Paul said, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Philippians 1, verse 21. That's what Christianity is all about. It is the height of folly to worry about the mundane. I don't have any control over that. I say. And it never has remained on a high level for very long. Oh, but God's children are consistent. They trust Him. They walk with Him. They're his children. They trust him completely in all the changes of life. It's, it's, we could mention one time after another when God has delivered his people. Yes, but preacher, I mean, when you remain faithful like that and you just look to things spiritual and, I mean, you kind of, you kind of look down on it. What, what if someone ridicules, you know, and, and, what was it Jesus said, Sermon on the Mount again, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10? Oh, he said, Blessed are they that have been persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall reproach you and persecute you and say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great. What? So persecuted they the prophets that were before you, and your reward in heaven is unequaled. You mean when you live the Christian life, the world's going to rid of us? Certainly. The world doesn't follow Christ. The world does not accept the Lord. You see, the word of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. That's verse 18 of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Well, that doesn't change my relationship to the Father, who sustains me in all of the changes of life. Someone says, but preacher, 
I mean, in this whole world, uh, the way it's going, uh, the, the negative circumstance. I mean, I've worked hard all my life, and you, you could lose everything you have. Ever read Job? Job chapter 1? I've forgotten exactly his resources. But it uh, seems like he had uh, 5,000 sheep and 3,000 camels and 500 yoke of oxen. And Job was the richest of all the children of the east. <clears throat> and he was a righteous man. Trusted the Lord. And one day, everything Job had was wiped out. And in just a very short while, old Satan had the privilege of making him break out with boils from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. Did you ever suffer like that? You ever lose everything you have in a single day? Then break out with terror. I don't know whether you've ever had a boil or not. Man, I've had one or two of those things. That's not have them all over your body. I don't know whether I'd survive that. That's a... What Job do? His trust of the Lord. Trust of the Lord. Sure. He became agitated and the Lord rebuked him. Same thing. We have to be very, very careful. I'm human. I'm limited to time and space, except spiritually. And that's what the Lord wants me to magnify. If we're not careful, we're limited to time and space. We are earthbound. We consider ourselves as physical beings in a physical world with physical hats way down the line somewhere. You're a spiritual being with a need for God in your heart and life. And if that's the case, you don't have to worry about how things are going in this old material world. You see, He is going to provide for you. In nothing be anxious, but in all things, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. For oh, the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your thoughts in Christ Jesus. Friends, that's a promise. It is the greatest privilege, the greatest blessing on earth to be a child of God. It is the only secure uh, position. Everything else will go by the board. I mentioned just the other night. People that we know and have influenced our lives, and uh, maybe we haven't met them, but they've had an impact upon us and read their lives and their obituaries. They know nothing about the Lord. Never thought about spiritual things. Lost. Eternally lost. I'm a child of God. I have the hope of eternal life. Yes, I can lose everything I have because I didn't have it. It belongs to, to the Lord. Yes, I can lose my life. I'm going to lose my life anyway. But if I'll maintain a right relationship with him who sustains me in time and in eternity, not only will I have peace of mind here, not only will security be mine here, when I fully recognize that I'm not just a physical being, and how this old physical body goes is not important, because I'll guarantee you, <clears throat> I still think 25, but when I reach to get it, it don't fetch like it did when I was 25. And I'm ashamed to show my hands because <clears throat> they show the wrinkles, they show the passing of the years. But that's all right. That's all right. That's life. That's the way this whole world is. Everything is wearing out. Trust the Lord. In nothing be unduly anxious. Put your trust in Him who controls the affairs of this life. Now, I haven't talked on fundamentals, but it's possible that you're here tonight and not a Christian. You believe that Christ is the Son of God. Friend, the only secure position that man may attain is in Jesus Christ. That's where salvation is located, 1 John 5, verse 11. We understand about that. 2 Timothy 2, verse 10. 
But to get into Christ, you repent, make up your mind, no longer to walk deliberately or willfully in sin. Then upon a confession of that faith, you're buried with your Lord in baptism, raised a new creation in Christ. The old body of sin is thus removed. If you're here as a child of God, your heart's been filled with anxiety. You've not really focused on him who is the giver of every good and every perfect gift. If we can help you, that's what family is all about. That's why we're here. Whatever your need, won't you come? Make it known while together we stand and sing.